Today's episode is brought to you by Pale Horse Media Co. Head on over to www.palehorsemedia.co for more of your favorite shows, books, and merch. I have two brand new releases for you over at Pale Horse Media Co. The first one, In His Name, My First Dive Into Fiction. It is just a fun, cool thriller if you're into that kind of sort of thing. And and we have the second expanded edition of the original, of the OG Safety Sucks, the bullshit and the safety profession they don't tell you about. I go through, I expand on some thoughts, add some bonus material, reflect on some of the chapters. So if either of those sound like things you should be interested in, again head over to www.palehorsemedia.co CO or find them on your Amazon marketplace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of your support of the books of the podcast of the merch store of everything. It truly means the world to us. This, this, this show is brought to you by safety FM. What does your 2021 look like? Mine is looking pretty full. I am planning my calendar, getting everything geared up and ready to go. So if you need help doing safety a little differently, a little better, if you want to talk human and organizational performance, if you need a speaker, a coach, training, let me know. Head on over to www.safetybetterment.com. Let's talk. Today's episode is also brought to you by hopuniversity.org. Hop University not only offers on-demand and virtual human and organizational performance training and all kinds of other great stuff, but for my Phoenix safety fam, we're also offering OSHA 10 and OSHA 30 hour general industry training. Head on over to phxosha.com. That's phxosha.com or give us a call today at 480-877-0155 for more information or to set up a class. Again, we're serving the greater Phoenix area. And last but not least, today's episode is brought to you by Safety Sucks. The bullshit in the safety profession they don't tell you about. Head on over to safetysucks.net to pick up your copy. You can also find it on Amazon at Barnes & Noble and most other places that you find books. If you're more of an audiobook person, you can head on over to Audible or iTunes and grab a copy there. Hello! Howdy, hi everybody. Sam Goodman, the Hot Nerd, bringing you another episode of the Hop Nerd Podcast. How are you doing today? I hope that you are doing absolutely excellent wherever you find yourself. I remember this every time now. It's stuck in my head. How was your weekend? I always forget that it's Monday and we're coming off of a weekend. It's the start of a brand new week of a great opportunity to go out and make the world a better place to work. Well, at least it's Monday for all my friends here in the States. So for some of my international listeners, it might be Tuesday, maybe. I don't know. It could be another day. Or you could be just be listening to this at another time. But for me, it's Monday and I'm starting a fresh week, new beginnings, all that kind of stuff that we talk about Mondays uh, to try to make them sound like they don't suck, I guess. But it's Monday. Today's a very special episode. It's been one year since we launched the Hop Nerd Podcast. Can you believe that? It has been a year. Just a, a few episodes back, it seems like we just did our 100th episode celebration, and now we get to celebrate 
one year of invading your ear holes. So here we go. We're going to jump in. We're going to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But what we're mostly going to do is reflect on the past 100 episodes. So this is going to be a uh, a best of episode, if you will. Uh, but before we do that, do me a favor, head over to the website, www.thehopnerd.com. Follow along on all things social media at The Hop Nerd, except for Twitter, because it is... <gasps> Super duper special. It is the Hop Nerd One. I've been telling you, and you've been listening. Head over, check me out on the gram. I'm posting all kinds of cool stuff there, and I try to post stuff anywhere that people are permitted to post things. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to bring you some content. Uh, so if you're into that sort of kind of sort of stuff, go follow along anywhere that you can find us. Again, it's the Hop Nerd. Uh, other than Twitter, it is the Hop Nerd One. Go check us out on YouTube. We've got a lot of cool videos and we're working on getting some more videos there. So do me a favor, make sure you go follow along, you like, you share, you subscribe, you do all that kind of sort of fun stuff. Uh, again, it, I know I say this a lot, but it really means a ton to us. Thank you so much for all the love that you show us on all the different platforms that we try to bring you stuff, whether it's a podcast or a video or some wisecrack comment that I, that I threw on LinkedIn. Thank you for all your love and support. When you like stuff, when you share stuff, when you tell your friends about us, it really does help keep the lights on here. It helps us continue to bring you this amazing content. So today we're going to jump into our one year celebration. I'm going to do some reflecting back on some of our previous episodes. We're going to chat about what's been going on and we're going to touch on what's coming up for the next year of the Hop Nerd. So here we go. Let's dive right in by rewinding things a bit back to my episode with the one, the only, the amazing, one of my bestest and dearest friends, Patty Kapperman. Here we are chatting about some pro tips for getting learning teams started in your organization. What would be some pro tips that you'd give folks out there about getting learning teams started in their organizations? Well, the first thing is um, really trying to get people to understand that um, the employees at the front side of the work are the ones that are able to really solve those problems. And they are going to provide the best insight into how the work is done. It's interesting that uh, uh, discovered after doing a, a learning team or two that when you get all the people, all the people who interact with a system in the same room together, you realize pretty quickly that a lot of times they have never gotten together as one whole group to look at the entire process as a unit. So everybody does their own little thing without really knowing how that impacts other parts of the organization. So they're really important from that standpoint. But in terms of starting them within your organization, it's just making sure you've got the right people people in the room um, you know don't go just too far too fast you, you really got to make sure that you're you're getting the learning out of them and that you're developing um, really controls um, out of those that, that's super important and that we're not looking at just administrative fixes because administrative fixes are very easy to bypass go around misunderstand miscommunicate and all of those types of things so, you know, definitely the frontline involvement is super, super important. Actually, probably the most important thing that you can do there. Yeah, that's really interesting. I like the point that you bring out on starting small, um, because so often it seems like we see organizations that once they get a get a taste of hop uh, and especially of learning teams, they kind of want to sort of use them for everything. And they want to take on these huge, massive problems in their organizations and then as with anything, they seem to fall flat, and then the response isn't that great. So um, how do you measure that? How do you get folks to understand that they're, that they're not for everything? Um, 
that's a tough one because you're right. Everybody wants to jump in and do learning teams. Everybody, once they start finding out, especially the, the employees, once they start finding out that they've got a voice that we want to hear, all of a sudden, you know, people are willing to participate. They want to participate. You get leaders who think they can do a learning team for everything. Um, so it's really tough to, to try and manage that and control that. But I think really stopping and looking at, uh, obviously, you have events that are occurring as you go through near misses, good catches, close calls, those types of things that you need where learning teams would really be a benefit. But um, I also think that looking for areas for improvement before events have actually occurred are really important. So looking for areas where you've got single point failure opportunity is super important mm -hmm. to really stop and, and look at that and say, can we use a learning here, team here to, to improve this process before the event ever occurs as more of a betterment opportunity? I know we use them frequently in retrospect after an event happens, but there's so much opportunity to do them ahead of time if we spend the right resources. But if we do learning teams for every Thing after every event happens you know we we now i think we understand i think everybody pretty well understands that it's not the little stuff that um you know the stuff that's always traditionally been at the bottom of the pyramid that's not the stuff that's going to kill us so if we take the time we spend on that and start spending it on these learning teams where we can find betterment opportunities to build capacity in our systems we're we're much further ahead in the game so let me just start by saying that i love Patty. Patty is one of my dearest friends. She's here local in the Phoenix area. She's just an awesome safety practitioner, an amazing hot practitioner. She is kind of on the front end, on the sharp end of implementing human and organizational performance and all the stuff that goes around uh, or goes with human and organizational performance and safety differently. So she is just phenomenal and she is just a wealth of knowledge, as you heard, uh, on all things human and organizational performance. A little behind-the-scenes info on that particular episode. Uh, if you can't tell by the screeching and scratching sounds of rolling trash cans in the background and the random car horns of, of people locking their cars and, and doing all that kind of random stuff, is Patty and I were meeting up. Um, we'd actually spent a bunch of time together at a location, and then after leaving that location, that, at, after the end of the day, we actually met up in like a little strip mall thing. I was Okay, I'll be honest with you. I was hunting for a Starbucks. I had to get coffee before we could podcast. <laughs> so we hunted down a Starbucks. And we sat outside because the, the original plan was, okay, we'll just go to the podcast, we'll, you know, or the podcast, we'll go to Starbucks and we'll go sit in the corner, you know, find like a nice little quiet corner. Nobody's getting coffee at, you know, 5 p.m. There's no way. So Starbucks was jam packed full. So fortunately, we live in Arizona and there's no such thing as a bad weather day. So we went outside and sat at a little one of those little metal tables, you know, that they put outside in like this little strip mall restaurant areas. And we sat there and we recorded the podcast on a little Zoom handy recorder. And that was that. So all the little bit of background noise, the ambiance that you get from all of that kind of beautiful stuff happening in the background. We were right next to a busy road, like everything that you probably don't want if you want professional audio I don't know. I thought it was kind of sort of cool. I like that kind of background noise, kind of grungy. You're just part of the conversation kind of thing. It's like you were sitting there in front of that Wabba Grill Starbucks thing, whatever. It, it was it was fun, right? It was just a blast. So let's jump into a snippet from an episode. I think this was the first episode with the awesome Ian Allison, another one of my amazing, awesome dear friends here local in the Phoenix area. And we're taking a pretty good dive into talking about measuring and benchmarking and even into a little bit of trust and some other things. So let's, let's listen in. 
you put a number on something, whether it's a zero or a five or a 10, people are going to give you what you ask them to give you. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and we get into this space where we like to really view things as, and I, I pick on this all the time, but we like green boxes, yellow boxes, red boxes, and we always want to be in the green. And if we're not in the green, it's bad. And it really doesn't ever tell us a lot, right? It's just another spreadsheet that somebody manages and then folks work on and manage. And we say, well, we can't have more than two because that puts us in the yellow. I don't want to deal with that <laughs> meeting. And you definitely don't want to have five because that puts us in the red. And then people are going to come out here and they're going to talk to us about it. And it's going to be a big deal. So let's just make sure we end up in the green. And as we were kind of discussing, we really just get good at managing to a green box, making sure that, that we don't trigger that formula in the spreadsheet. right? So we, we stay under whatever, whatever number that is. Um, when really what we should be focusing on is rather than having X number of this or X number of that, um, how much are we learning? You know, what, what, what are the learning rich events? Um, are we addressing things as we should when we do have something that had SIF potential instead of saying, well, we need three or two or none of those? Are we actually going through and getting into some serious control? Are we actually looking at essential controls and, and stopping that from happening? Um, I think that's just a better investment for us, right? Rather right. Than, than just saying, well, we want three of this or two of this. Or historically, this is the one that this is the one that kills me, especially in our industry, is we're so afraid to step out of lockstep with other utilities. Oh my right? gosh. That well, they're using this, so we're going to use this, and they God. trend, they're a similar organization and they use this number, so we're going to use that. God use forbid that we we uh, go against the grain and don't follow Edison Electric Institute. <laughs> you know, I, I think that kills me. Well, we're in top decile, we gotta shoot for top quartile. I'm just like, oh my goodness, we're never I, gonna you know it's 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 and even not to be up on that too much but it's the fact that we turn around and try to operationalize that down mm -hmm. to, to the kind of points that we're making we try to use that as well can't you all see mm. you're screwing up <laughs> right we, we yeah try to put we have the same there. exact programs as x utility mm -hmm. but the here's their yeah. where they rank in eei why are we not on the same and you know level totally if not better than that in the context and the unique challenges and right. all the kind of stuff that again the thousands of other things that we could insert there for context mm -hmm. Right, it's just totally lacking of that. So yeah, I think that that that's really interesting as we're trying to start to grow, um, or most organizations are kind of going down this same path. Again, most folks that I've talked to, they're in that place of moving away from really measuring the the absence of stuff, right? Measuring the zero and really getting into what's the presence of positives and what does that actually look like for an organization, and that could be anything, right? I, I think about uh, the utility space and the power plant space in general. Um, what what does our percentage of you know going out and and verifying lockout tagouts? What's that actually look like, right? How many times do we catch stuff that's wrong and we fix it? That seems like a pretty cool measure to me, right? Or mm -hmm. how how does our you know until we slap a good catch close call on it and then it gets then it becomes and then, a thing, and then, right? and then people don't report it, right? And, and so and it really gets into that point of when you really want to learn. Um, I just I just had a a, a big talk about this not too long ago actually today <laughs> so like a total of like six hours ago or something um talking about our assumptions back to the assumptions our underlying assumptions around human error and how those influence our reactions to events right and i think that's super important because the whole reactions matter the management response matters i think that's a really important point and that's kind of where that goes uh, is when someone tells us something um we have to be able to welcome bad news. Right. And do we really view it as bad news? Um, obviously, fatality is always bad news. I'm not going to argue that point. Um, but when we have someone say, hey, you know, we almost killed somebody. 
mm-hmm. we should probably view that as good news. It's bad news, but it's good news, right? And I think it gets to this point where we've been kind of fanboying a little bit with some of Conklin stuff, but this is a Conklin thing too, um, that I just love it, is that when you have that event reported and you ask yourself that question, were we good or were we lucky? That's a really that's a really good question to ask. Right. Right. Did 100%. our essential controls work? Yeah. As they should, we were good. Did we have missing essential controls and by the grace of God we did not kill somebody? Okay, that's still good because we can learn now. So no matter what, no matter which way you answer that question, I think organizations historically have kind of went down that, oh, we were lucky, that's bad. But they're both really, really rich learning opportunities. So I think the way we respond, the way we view those things, the way that we welcome bad news, um, because I think this this was a point that I made with a group today, um, and it's straight out of the Five Principles book. So I totally just ripped it off and put it in a presentation nice. um, from Todd. Hey. But number one, it's, it's, it's this, this agreement number one is that all reporting is ultimately voluntary. Whether it's mandatory or not, it is still voluntary, right? Uh, and number two, we have to be in a position to where we welcome bad news. So if we start down that path of understanding that if we want to be learning-based, if we really want to be a learning organization, um, we have to be able to welcome the bad news. And we have to understand that everything that we do either encourages or deters reporting, and it kind of starts there. And again, we have to be able to recognize that it's voluntary, that people are constantly watching to see what our reaction is. Uh, and if it's not so great, uh, if we destroy that environment um, to throw in a little bit of a buzzword that goes around right now so of psychological safety, <laughs> right? Um, we don't allow people to have interpersonal risk taking. <laughs> then, then we end up in a position where we just don't learn at all because people aren't going to trust us. Um, and trust and honesty is a whole other conversation. But <laughs> I think it's so hard because ultimately we're trying to hang our hat on something that really can't be quantified. Right. And uh, even even in organizational behavior within my program, the professors really rag on the OB guys because they view OB as like a soft, squishy profession. Mm-hmm. And for them, the other guys, they're more operational-based, hard numbers. You, right. they, they can measure improvement. And you can quantify the qualitative, um, but even then it's a, it's a relative measure because it all depends on somebody's ability to code uh, codify conversations and everything, but conversations and interactions. But I think that it, it is the right direction to go down to tell people you you don't need to measure this. Right. Like it, it really can be a feel thing. Um, and if you are killing less people, let's and killing no people, that mm-hmm. should be like you should be able to hang your head on that and say, okay, we're doing great. Right. You know, and if you're if you're potential and you have those conversations about are we good or are we lucky, I think you're always going to have those. But your actions, what you do after, yeah. you're not, you know, you're not going to be um, vilifying that employee for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. You tell them, like, are you okay? You have everything, everything you need to be successful, and then go forward and include them in solution and say, how can we make this better so right. this so we can reduce the likelihood of this happening again? We can put an essential control in front of this uh, really bad thing that almost killed you. Ian is again just awesome, amazing, amazing safety professional. And one of my bestest, bestest friends, just just like we mentioned with Patty, I'm giving you kind of the the local best buds here, right, right at the beginning of this best of uh, year podcast. So I really enjoyed this conversation, and that's one of my more favorite parts about having Ian on is we really force each other to take deep dives, and that's why our podcasts end up being like four hours long. <laughs> 
few haven't noticed um, some some behind the scenes info on this one. You can hear you can hear my daughter, right? You can hear my daughter I, even even creating this thing. I'm, I'm taking off my headphones here at the studio, going, "Is there a kid in here?" Right? But it was my daughter downstairs. This this was before the Hop Nerd Studios of PaleHorseMedia.co Studios existed. I was in a little cubby hole upstairs recording podcasts, right? That's where this started. It started uh, me kind of hiding in the corner in my bedroom upstairs at, at our at our apartment here in Phoenix and um, trying to find a quiet space to record something. <laughs> and this is usually what comes out of it, right? So I've, I've given you strip mall. I've given you um, loud, noisy house. So my daughter was actually playing Nintendo Switch with my partner, and they were both like yelling and screaming, trying to trying to figure out who was in the lead or whoever was winning or something. And every now and again, if you listen close, if you listen close, you hear like the jangle of, of my dog's uh, collar walk by because she was kind of like circling around Ian and I trying to uh, trying to get some pets while we were while we were sitting here podcasting. So I always love having Ian on. There's several, several episodes if, with Ian if you want to go back and listen to them. But let's take a second here and jump into the next clip. And the next one that I'm going to bring you is my chat with the one, the only, I say that a lot, but it's true. All these people are amazingly unique and super cool people. The one, the only, Sydney Decker. Any pro tips or, or any knowledge or wisdom that you'd like to impart on hot practitioners or leaders or safety folks out there, um, that, that, that any go-dos for them, anything that you'd like to share with them before we go? Sam, I think that the, what I would want to tell all the hop nerds, because, you know, this is in family, right? We're, we're this, we're this amazing community, um, that, uh, that, that, that is driven by a lot of uh, research and insights and scholarship from a lot of, uh, 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 different people. Ultimately, what it boils down to though is we need to convince leaders and others in organization to once again have trust in their fellow human beings. Mm to not have systems of mistrust and accountability yeah. that run on, I don't trust you to do the right thing, right? All kinds of rules and checklists because I don't know whether I can trust you, you know, behind my back. And if that's the starting point that we're trying to get hop into organizations with, mm-hmm. it's not going to work, right? We have to get people to trust each other again. And I think in the crisis in which we right now are, um, you see, you see both sides of that coin, right? You see mistrust and people throwing mud at each other and calling each other idiot and, on the other hand, you see amazing acts of human compassion and kindness and trust and a willingness to help and a reaching out and saying, you are my human fellow human being. We're in this together, right? Um, I think ultimately, um, if, if, if hope nerds can, uh, help spread that message of hope, of trust, of being inspired by what your fellow people do rather than being fearful of it, of, um, a, you know, to, to use the Greek words, a philanthropic mindset, your belief in the goodness of human beings rather than this misanthropic mindset, right? This belief in the badness and the right. bad motives of your fellow human beings. Man, we could change the world, Sam. We right. could change the world. Mind blown. Amazing. Amazing. Right. And let's just say, did you expect any less from Sidney Decker? Right, it's always mind blowing. It's always amazing. If you haven't listened to that, have you been? I hope you've been living under a rock. If you have not listened to that episode, because even I will go back and listen to it a couple times after listening to that snippet. It makes me want to go back and listen to the entire thing, just because that conversation was so amazing. And a backstory on our conversation is I just out of the blue, 
out of the blue, reached out to Sydney and just said, Hey, you want to come on the podcast? And it, it worked, it worked out. And it was so amazing to get to a personal hero of mine. So I'll, I'll just, I'll just throw that out there. You can probably hear it in my voice while we're going through that interview. Total fanboy, right? Fanboying out the entire time. Just again, a personal hero and just an awesome person to chat with. So in keeping with that, um, I want to jump in and kind of weave in a little clip here that's from an episode that's just a few episodes back, um, because that conversation with Sydney, especially that little piece of it, um, is a bit that I have carried with me uh, since then. And it's this notion of moving, moving kind of the neutral position, right? And especially in our organizations, moving the neutral position of our organizations from a place of mistrust to a place of trust. And if we start everything, right, that should be the organizational neutral. If we start everything from that neutral position of trusting people, just imagine, close your eyes. Here's my close your eyes thing. Unless you're driving, that'd be kind of dumb. Close your eyes and imagine what would change. And the correct answer is everything would change. So as I said, keeping in line with that, here's a snippet from Andrea Baker, because we're actually talking about this comment from Sydney. So here's Andrea Baker. That's such a huge um, piece. I just said good intent. And I think that um, I'd had a conversation with Sydney Decker a while back. And mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that stuck with me from that conversation, it was all great. It's Sydney, right? It's, it's all amazing. Yeah. But there's, there's the, the biggest thing that stuck with me and, and it's been finding this way into so many conversations I've had lately is this, is that the organization's neutral position needs to shift from a place of mistrust to trust. Mm, that's a really cool way of saying it yeah and 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 so often we start from mistrust Mm -hmm. you know our our procedures are written from a perspective of the fact that we just don't trust people to do these things Mm -hmm. Um, every form every check sheet every process starts from a place of mistrust and if we can stand that on its head and go to a better kind of neutral position of trust we just kind of automatically find ourselves in in a much better territory because as as we mentioned you know 90, who knows what the actual number is, but I would venture guess it's like 99% of our employees just come to work and want to do a good job. And that's it. Yeah. Right. Most folks do not arrive at work with ill, with, with, with ill intention. They don't arrive wanting to, to harm themselves or harm others. But we often start from a place of saying, well, that, that 1% is what we, what we focus on for the entire organization mm-hmm. instead of moving into a place of trust. Of trust. Just, just when, Right. <laughs> so Sam, I'm going to leave you with, with this thought because um, not only do I agree with what Sydney's saying, it'd be silly of me to disagree, <laughs> but not only do I agree with what he's saying, but I think my hope, my like naive hope about the world is that some of what we do in our organizations is going to bleed into how we manage ourselves as a society of people. Yeah. And if we just take the United States as an example, Mm -hmm. we would be foolish not to recognize that we also are in a place of mistrust in how we organize our entire society, in how we feel about people. We've got a divided country at this moment Mm -hmm. and each group vilifies the other group. And yet if you're able to stand a moment in each other group's shoes, you could understand local rationale. You could understand the perspective. You could understand that people are given different information. And so we have created a different reality as to what is happening around us. You can understand how complex things are. 
but we're in such a place that every, both sides thinks that the other group of people, there's something wrong with them, right? <laughs> there's, there's what well, those biases that they're lesser than us and, and both sides feel the intent. exact same. We're assigning intent, right? They don't, you know, they, they, and so my hope is that the more that we're able to do this sort of on a small scale and we can see that that distrust becomes a disservice to how we interact with each other and we dig in and we create bigger and bigger stories and bigger and bigger lies about people's intent and people's thoughts. And then we propagate those lies and everyone believes them and that we see that that also happens in society um, outside of our work and that we could do a little bit better to, to leave the door open to recognize that my distrust of this other group of people is probably not as well-founded as I think it is. And if I take a moment to sit in their shoes, maybe I can understand how they view me and maybe I can understand better where those views come from. That would be my hope. How awesome, right? Just absolutely awesome. And especially you get to put those two clips together, the original clip and then the kind of this little comment afterwards. Uh, getting to have that conversation uh, with Andrea Baker was just amazing. So again, that's a pretty recent episode. If you haven't listened to that, go go back and listen to it now. It's super, super, super duper, super duper, 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 super duper good. So I think that's enough super and dupers to cover it. Maybe a couple more, but it, uh, what I'm saying is it's super good and you shouldn't miss out on it. So let's, uh, let's keep going. Let's jump into a snippet from my conversation with Josh Bryant. So when, when you picked up all that stuff, how did you really get it started at your company? I mean, how did, how did you get things to take root there? I'm, um, I'm pretty lucky because the, the team I work with, um, particularly two guys, Tim and, Tim and Rob, Tim Fitch and, and Rob Ayton, who are working with me, and a, a gentleman by the name of Mark Alston, uh, who works for Investigations Differently, we, we just had a look at the business and we went, you know what, we're, we're, a, we're a contractor company. So we work for clients. So we've got about 25 different clients and those clients have their own safety management system. It's their site. So they've got their own way of doing things. So the way we looked at it was to go, well, where are the places that we actually, like where are the touch points that we have with our workforce? So where are the things that we can control? I mean, we don't control notice boards and safety meetings, et cetera, that the clients have, but we do control our own. So how can we look at all those fundamental touch points that we have with our workforce and apply the fundamentals of safety to and the fundamentals of POP? So we looked at, Sam, we, we really like broke it down. We went, okay, so we onboard people into our business. When, how are we talking to these people when we onboard them? What type of language are we using? Um, what about pre-shift meetings? Are we doing a lot of telling and you must, et cetera? Are we having, you know, real discussions about, what are we planning today? What are the things that we can ensure that are in place to make sure things go right? What discussions are we having with them in the field? So a lot of field discussions that we see um, is, uh, oh, what, what at-risk behaviours did you observe? Like, that's, that's just crap. Um, we really want to go, when we're out in the field and we're actually having discussions, let's talk about their normal work. Let's talk about how they, how they do things. So we've changed our field discussions into more around, hey, while you're doing this work, can you talk to us about, you know, any critical risks? Is there any anything from a fatal risk point of view that you need to be worried about? And if you do, what are the controls in place and how do you make sure that they're right? And then we continue to follow up that discussion with going, all right, so the work you're doing may not have fatal risk, but what about, what about if things go wrong? What things make it easy? What things do I make you do 
that makes life hard and what can we learn together and maybe maybe make things better. Um, one last thing, Sam, is that, or probably two last things is if we were having an incident within Mitchell Services, um, how are we telling our people? So were we saying, oh, he put his hand in the wrong place and, oh, they shouldn't have done that and, oh, everyone, you should go back and read this procedure. Like we actually went back and had a look at how we were communicating incidents to our business and it was like, holy crap, we're just, you know, we're saying wrong, 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 don't, don't, don't. It should be more, hey, they're all right. We've learnt this. This happens at your side as well. Um, help us learn how we can make this better across the entire business and make the changes all around Australia. Well, since Josh brought him up, I'll tell you who the next clip is going to be before we reflect on this one, but it will be Mark Alston. So just FYI, that's coming up next. But Josh is just awesome, right? How great is that little snippet? And if you think that's good, you need to go back and listen to the episode. I know I keep saying that a bunch, but you should go listen to it. That episode is full of so much just practical stuff. And that was Josh's intent right from the beginning. If you go back and listen to that episode, we talked about that right at the beginning of the pod, that he wanted to provide something to people that they could actually take and use. And I think the proof is in the pudding because um, that continues to be Here's the behind-the-scenes snippet, I guess. That continues to be one of the most played episodes ever for the Hot Nerd Podcast. If I go back and look right now, it's like Josh Bryant, very top. right? So, <laughs> just so, so good. So good. So, with that being said, here is Mark Alston. And then only thing that happens is you just end up with, with companies that are really good at, at case-managing injuries. Um, you, you end up uh, well, no, I yeah, I don't think they're they're not managing injuries; they're managing statistics. Sure, exactly, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so like, and that's the problem. That that approach means that we oh, don't worry about the, you know, let's let's. It's almost a minimum care approach rather yeah. than oh, what is what care do they need? Who cares about the stat? Well, the, the um, wacky part is is that you you know you end up with uh, because contract companies. I'm, I'm sure it's similar everywhere. You know, contract companies here, uh, even my day job, my I work for a utility. Uh, here in, in the Southwest. And we still, we still basically vet our contractors based off of their instant rates, which means oh, if, if they hit a certain yeah. point, then they don't get work, uh, which obviously leads them down the road of managing that metric. So it That's ends right. up with folks in doctor's office going, are, are you sure you can't just keep this out of first aid? So it doesn't trigger oh, yeah. recordable. Oh, can't, can we give them less, less, uh, less stronger pain, pain exactly. medication? Exactly. That, you know, right. If we give them a 25 milligram Voltaren, right. it will mean it's not a recordable. <laughs> if we give them it's so it's, wacky, right? I mean, you're, it's, it's, oh. you're going, what, what does that actually do? Absolutely nothing, right? I mean, it, it makes us look oh. on paper, you know, you end up with a company that's bragging. Yeah. We have a 0.0 whatever. Uh, but you're going, is it real? It's probably not, right? Any anything that you that you metricize will get met, will get managed, right? Ultimately, and exactly right. It'll get gained, and and like there's you know twenty nine percent of statistics are made up as it is, right? Um, but the, <laughs> the, someone wrote a paper. I don't have the details with me right now, but um, there was they came up with thirty two different ways to gain injury management statistics. Wow. 32 wow. different ways, like to sweep that under the, we call it sweeping right. under the rug in Australia. Sure. So, yep. you know, it's just, it's appalling. So, and the thing is it achieves nothing. At the end of the day, this is the thing that really gets me, breaking it down into first aid, medically treated, restricted work cases, 
LTIs. Well, it's an LTI is a production manager anyway, mm-hmm. a production manager. But breaking it down to those serves no purpose. No. It doesn't help you form trending because it's too broad. So someone who cuts their finger and gets a stitch and someone who loses their finger, no difference in metric. Right. So the, it, it serves absolutely no purpose apart to fill a, to, to fill a space in a board report, um, give uh, health and safety people something to do, um, and as a really poor measurement of the presence of safety, which we know it's not. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, it, it, and the thing is we've made the rod for our own backs as safety professionals. We're the ones that introduced it, mm-hmm. and now we're paying for it. Yeah, now we're now we're trying to uh, to bring all that uh, back and throw it in the trash can, right? <laughs> <That's> the- <laughs> well, you can only hope. You know? <laughs> One thing that really hit me when I was going back through this episode with Mark was this. I need to get Mark back on the podcast. It's been too long. We need to have him back on. We've, we've got to make it happen. So if you're listening to this, Mark, it's coming. I'm going to send you an email. I'm going to give you a call, shoot you a text, something. I'm going to get a hold of you, and we're going to get you back on the podcast. We've got to make it happen ASAP. Here we go. On to the next one. And this is a snippet from the super awesome Clive Lloyd. But uh, let's, let's just say general review of behavior-based safety. Right. <laughs> All right, that's a great place to start, Sam. Um, all right, so I mentioned, I mean, you know, my kind of mission here is to drag um, safety um, into the 21st century. So, look, my background, as I said, I'm a psychologist. I went through uni. Um, I started at least in the, in the 90s. And even then, in the 90s, uh, behaviourism, where behaviour-based safety comes from, was dead. <laughs> it was dead then, and it had been dead for quite a while. And it's like um, my background is clinical and, and counselling psychology rather than organisational psychology. But um, back then, you know, it's, it's progressed. Psychology has progressed in those clinical areas. Long dead is behaviourism. We progressed to things like um, social learning theory, to cognitive psychology, that is looking at thoughts, positive psychology, um, right up to sort of uh, acceptance and commitment therapy and so forth. So just imagine this for me, Sam, and you started me on this, don't forget. Um, let's say I was back in my clinical days rather than safety and organised, back in my clinical days, if I was still using behaviourism, right, this is what it would look like. Client comes in and uh, he lets me know that, uh, you know, he's suffering from depression, right? So I bring out my behaviourism. I say, right, well, that's easy. All right, so from here on in, every time you have a negative thought, you're going to have some sort of negative consequence. How about electric shocks? Let's go with electric shocks. So anyway, I hook him up. He identifies an, you know, a negative thought. I buzz him, zap, and you think, shit, that hurts, man. Yeah. Um, anyway, he, he comes up with a couple of other negative thoughts. He gets a couple more zaps. Now, after a while, what's he going to do? He's going to lie to me, isn't he? Even yeah, if he's having absolutely. negative thoughts, he's going yeah. to pretend he's happy, happy, joy, joy. Yeah. So the very thing we're sort of trying to get to, he just shuts that whole thing down. Um, he's also very unlikely to come back to the next therapy session. Right. Because um, nobody can stop negative thoughts. No. Nobody can stop. We're going to have them. Now, if you're punished just because you have something that everybody has from time to time, you just shut it down and pretend. It doesn't mean they're not there. Now, think about that as behaviourism. It's still rampant in the safety industry. Yeah. Um, behaviorism says, right, somebody's violated, nice nice word, broken a rule, we will punish them. 
Now, it's not like, you know, they're still going to make errors. They're still going to make mistakes. But what happens now is I don't report that. My team don't report that. Now, this is generations. We, we need generational change here, not just one. We need, we've got to skip a couple of generations. Nobody in the clinical and counselling world does that anymore because we've got better ways. I'm not saying, please understand, behaviourism has done no good. I think it has at least helped companies to put attention on safety and so forth. But we cannot progress safety if we're just relying on archaic modalities like behaviorism. So did I already tell you how awesome Clive Lloyd is? Because he is. How awesome is that clip? How awesome, right? And I've done several podcasts with Clive, and I look forward to doing many, 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 many more because I just love having those conversations. Clive is just just an amazing person to chat with. And if you want... You should go check out his book because he has an amazing book out. It's just a wealth of information, and it's called Next Generation Generation. If I can get that out there, Next Generation Safety Leadership from Compliance to Care. You can pick it up on Amazon, and I'm sure most other places that you that you buy books. Clive is just a phenomenal person that is focused on trying to make safety better. Next up in this big one year shindig, we have. James McPherson. So if you don't know James, James is the hop nerd UK. I'm just, I'm picking on James. <laughs> we joke about that, that we're basically the equivalent of each other, but one's the United States and one is the UK. So it's either that I'm rebranding safety. That, that's, that's James's podcast. It's either that I'm rebranding safety US or he's the hop nerd UK. I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's both. Maybe, maybe it's both. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we do like a switcheroo and we like take over each other's podcast for like a week or something. That'd be wild. And before I forget, before I forget, I've got to give a huge shout out to James because I forgot to mention, I forgot to mention that I use this program called Calendly that helps me kind of organize all the podcasts and stuff. And I forgot to give him credit for for pointing me in that direction when I brought it up on another event. So there you go, James. Here it is. I give credit where credit's due. That's the behind the scenes snippet for you there. There there you go. But here's, here's a snippet from James McPherson and the hot nerd hanging out. It's interesting. Like, like when you get those people that are just aggressive in the comments or like, you know straight away like like you get that notification on linkedin and nine times out of ten you, you can just tell by the name of because you've, yeah. you've probably already run across this person yeah. 10 times before yeah. but, but then you get if you don't know it let's say it's someone new come out of the woodwork and you just see it within like two seconds like well actually statistically speaking the the Institute of Occupational Safety and Health did a survey last year and we could see a 7% increase. And I'm just like, mate, I've stopped listening already. Right. Like, <laughs> right can right. can we just have like a proper conversation about this? Like, yeah. and, and to be honest, I'm whenever anyone starts putting like real long, co- like, I like a really long comment, but whenever it's a long comment full of statistics, I'm just like, you've lost me. You've lost me. Like we're not like, cause my message is much more, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's much more. My, my wife says how I approach safety is more like spiritual, uh, which is which is weird because I'm not spiritual whatsoever. Right. Um, I'm not religious in any way, shape, yeah, or form. Yeah. Uh, but like, church of safety. What, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to safety, it's for me. It's like it's not about the statistics. It's not about the paper. We have accidents. We have accidents. That's cool. But let's find out. You know. Let's remember. So, so, so we have actually, let me take this as an example, right? We talk about 
one of the biggest problems, which kind of actually contradicts, like, say, your position on zero. But in the UK, we're pretty much stuck at about 140 average fatalities a year, right? And the industry just seems to accept that. We kill 140 people a year, right? And I've even had a conversation where somebody said to me, well, it's only 140 people. And I'm like, only, uh, sorry, sorry. Could I just stop you there? Only 140 lives, 140 souls, 140 grandmas, granddads, mums, dads, brothers, sisters, whatever it is. Then what about the collateral damage you get from that? The brothers and sisters, how how impacted they are. And I genuinely believe we should live in a world where people do not die at work. For sure, yeah. Like, like, I, I just had just had this conversation around around fatalities. Most organizations uh, to kind of kind of expand a little bit on that thought of zero. Most organizations apply zero to everything because they kind of still rely that kind of they do. They rely on that really old flawed belief that if you can get rid of everything else, you don't have the the big thing. Zero yeah. zero people dying is a great goal. That's a really good mm. goal. Saying that we want zero scrapes, zero sprains, zero—that's probably not a great goal, work. right? Right, because you're no. you're never going to learn about anything. You're never going to you're creating an yeah. environment back back to creating environments in which honesty is possible, in which being mm-hmm. saying the uncomfortable things are are possible. It kind of it goes it's counter to that. But yeah, saying it saying uh, yeah saying an environment is, you know saying that we're going to create an environment in which people don't die at work. I think is a phenomenal goal. That's a that's where probably zero should be used. Um, but if yeah. you want to get to that zero, I don't think you can use the zero and all the other stuff, right? If that, if that yeah. makes, so behind true, yeah. the scenes on this one, um, it's eerily similar how much James and I have in common. So just the more that we got to know each other, the more we kind of like chatted, you know, like friendly chit chat, kind of like before and after and just catching up with each other. You know, we've discovered that we have like so much in common, like with our upbringing and like personally, just just all kind of stuff. So just just wild, wacky and crazy. I just thought that that was a fun, uh, a neat little fun fact uh, to throw in there. But that was an excellent conversation as we kind of talked about um, zero and maybe, maybe zero being a really good uh, moral goal overall, uh, and probably being a really good goal for fatalities. But maybe if we want to achieve that point of not killing people, uh, maybe we shouldn't apply it to every single little thing in the organization because it creates an environment in which honesty is not possible. So that was an excellent, excellent conversation with James. And they, they all are. Let me just throw that out there. Um, all my conversations with James are always epic. They are absolutely epic. So make sure you check out James's podcast, Rebranding Safety, or it's again, a.k.a. The Hop Nerd UK. You can head over and I think find his podcast just about everywhere. He's part of the Safety FM fam as well. So you can go find him on any of the Safety FM stuff. And just because James had this individual on pretty recently, I'm going to insert a snippet here from one of my several conversations with Dr. Todd Conklin, the amazing, the greatest of all time, the one, the only Dr. Todd Conklin. So let's take that dive right about now. It's it's we find ourselves in interesting times, and I mean, even even going down that path just a little bit, I know that's one thing that I've seemed to kind of find in my my day to day life is as the world was thrown into chaos and confusion. Uh, it seems like even more forward-thinking organizations that have been going down the, the paths of human and organizational performance, they almost seem to be regressing a little bit. Have you experienced any of that or seen any but of that kind of happening? But I think that's kind of normal. So I think yeah. I think organizations ebb and flow. They move forward and backwards. Yeah, It's kind of a pendulum. They swing towards the new view 
and then something will happen and scare them and they'll swing back towards kind of the old, you know, name, shame, blame and retrain. And then they'll get better and swing back and forth, back and forth. I think that's pretty normal. I think that's how progress happens all the time. I used to think progress was kind of a one-way continuum. Yeah. You know, yeah. that once you got smarter, you never went back to dumb. But I'm realizing that progress is really on a continuum and that we'll make some big strides and then we'll move backwards kind of in a corrective motion. And I think it has a lot to do with people are afraid. There's a lot. So the biggest lesson for me that I think about all the time is people fear change more than they desire improvement. Mm. And so if you're afraid of change, then you'll, you'll do things like vote against your best interests. That's kind of an Arizona comment, right? Or, <laughs> but it is sort of right. Or you'll yeah, absolutely you'll do things in ways that you're relatively certain aren't going to work. They're not going to make a big difference. They're not going to make a long-term sustainable change to the organization. It's, it's true with things like discipline, right? People really believe they have to discipline workers for safety infractions, even though if you pushed them, probably every one of the leaders would say it doesn't, you know, it probably doesn't make a long-term change. But it's emotionally satisfying. And if I don't discipline, it looks like the worker got away with something. So before the political hornet's nest gets stirred up, um, when we're talking about Arizona there a little bit, that was before <laughs> this last election. So it wasn't comment on this last election. I was listening to that as I was kind of piecing this thing together. And I'm going, oh, that's that's fitting. I mean, like, it's very fitting <laughs> right now. But this was pre-election. So just FYI, FYI, just just to, just to throw that out there, to dive on that grenade, so to speak, <laughs> a little bit. Um, but chatting with, with Todd is always just mind-blowing. That's the only way to put it. it it's just mind-blowing. When you get to chat with the GOAT, the greatest of all time, it, it's just mind-blowing. Um, very similar to those conversations with Sidney Decker. I mean, um, just fanboying over here. I mean, what can I say? It's, it's Dr. Todd Conklin. Right. How can I not fanboy? Right. He, he's the one that we all look up to. Just just saying, just saying. Right. So amazing. Awesome. So good. Just so good. Speaking of super amazing. So good. Let's jump into a little snippet here before we start to wind things down with two, two, not just one, but two of the most amazing safety and safety differently practitioners, enthusiasts out there that I know of. Two of the coolest ones, Steve Harvey, Tony McConaughey. Here we go. That's where a lot of folks kind of struggle is they don't really know, okay, I want to go down this path, but how do I go down this path? Yeah. It, I, it's I, scary for most organizations. So I hear that a lot, right? But I know like I worked for a big zero harm organization. Mm -hmm. And once I started discovering like safety differently, safety too, you know, like I... Like, I just started going in and changing the language that I was talking. You know, yeah. rather than, like, talking about accidents and incidents, I'd just call them events and then say, well, hey, what can we learn from these events? You know, right. so it was pretty I, – I, we do hear that a lot. Oh, I'd love to do safety too, but my organization just won't support me. You know, just go in and do it yourself. Have a go at it. You know? That, that, that's what I found similar. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I got uh, – I grew up in that kind of zero, zero harm – everything's preventable kind of cultures. And I was so burnt out, right? I was, I was so burnt out with kind of traditional safety for lack of a better way to put it. 
that I just kind of jumped in and said, okay, I'm going to start doing things differently. And if they fire me, they fire me. <laughs> I'm totally, totally good with it. <laughs> because if they don't fire me, I'm going to quit if I have to continue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and uh, what was really surprising to me is that it takes a little while, but I think really to your point is that you start having those conversations and you start changing uh, really the conversation just a little bit at a time. And for me, it was just – if I had the opportunity to speak, it's all that I talked about. I wouldn't shut up. And I mean, they were sick of hearing about hop and safety too. They were just tired of it because anytime that if I was tasked with, Hey, will you give us a message for this meeting? Sure. I would love to. Right. And it was all around that. So I think it really lends to your point that it's that it's, it's really just starting that conversation. And I think you talk and talk and talk, and eventually you start to impact some of those mm-hmm. uh, underlying assumptions that the organization holds around human error and around some of those things. Once once people start talking the same language as you, you know that you're starting to get somewhere. You know, like I used to hear with some of the managers and supervisors, even now where, where we work just now, you know, if I hear them talking about, yeah, what can we learn? I'm like, yeah, you know, we're starting to, yeah. get, we're starting to get somewhere. Yeah. That's, that's a huge part for me. Um, when, when I've seen organizations start to roll out learning teams in particular, uh, that's one thing that's been new for, for most of us, uh, at least over this way, the organizations I'm around, they're like, what, what's a learning team? Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> when you kind of start those conversations and you really point them in the direction of learning, you get them past, uh, really those, those really flawed assumptions around human error because a lot of organizations I come to contact with initially, they have this assumption around human error that it's a choice. That bad people do bad things. So if you were just better, you wouldn't hurt yourself or you wouldn't break this. You wouldn't have those problems. If you cared more, if you paid more attention, kind of the, the normal song and dance, right? Uh, and then once you kind of push them past that, and and I really think it is that, it's, it's the learning piece. Once their eyes kind of open to learning, they go, okay, we get that. Yep, somebody messed up. Duh, of course. Yep, yep, of course, right? There's an error there. I'm sure there is. But how do we actually learn? Once you get them into that space to, to what you were just saying about okay, where's the learning? That seems like a magical spot to get to in an organization. Yeah, it's nice to hear it. You know, when, when you do when you do hear folk talking, like what's the learning? I mean, I'm always pushing it. The, the guys up are like sick of me going, right, what can we learn from this? What can we learn from that? You know, yeah. what can we do here? You know, what is it, you know, is there an operational learning that we can take from this? You know, what can we create? Whereas a lot of times you'll just go, ah, you know, ah, you just... Like it was just an error. It's just it was just an idiot. It's probably something that you'd hear a lot. But thankfully, I think we're trying. We're definitely changing that conversation here. Yeah, we're, we're quite we're quite lucky where where we are, just because of our our leader Kim, the health and safety manager. She she set course for the new world, the new view, probably two years ago now with our new health and safety strategy. So we we were really lucky to have full support agreement from the board from our ceo from our executive group that they wanted to change the way that we viewed field work and the way that we viewed human error so we were really lucky that um we we sat heavily in the blame and punish world um you know my role previously to this space was handing out those sea of disciplinary letters one after another, one after another. Right. You know, you, you, fight, you go five kilometres over the speed limit. Bad person, you're going to be punished. Right. <laughs> right, right. So you go, yeah. yeah. So we sort of lived in this world of uh, we believe that was our way to improve. We want to improve and we're going to do that through 
viewing you as a problem to solve. And if we punish you, then you'll learn from it and get better for it. So it was really well intended at the time, but um, it really did get us absolutely nowhere culturally. And the gap between what we believed went on and what actually happened grew just bigger and bigger and bigger. And it became just a chasm. It was just the, you know, the size of the Grand Canyon. Um, so it was sort of, we were in a really bad, bad way culturally. And then, um, yeah, we set this new strategy aligned with, with safety too and safety differently. And I, um, this is my first foray into health and safety. I've never, ever, ever dreamt of working in health and safety ever in my life based on the fact of what I've seen over the last 20 years in my career. So I'm just a, I'm a HR change management guy and, uh, it's never been of interest to me when I, when I've looked across the, the fence, um, and not for me, but Kim sort of set this new course and, um, it's just unbelievable the the impact that it has on the guys out there in the field. I absolutely love it. Getting to chat with Steve and Tony is is just awesome. Just such an enjoyable conversation. Anytime that I get to hang out with that bunch of folks, I mean, it's it's just awesome. It's we just have a blast. It's just fun. It's just fun. And I'm I'm going to throw out that same kind of uh, same kind of warning that I'm coming for you guys. I'm going to get you back on the podcast very 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 soon because I don't know. It's just fun. I just just completely enjoy hanging out with those folks. Doing amazing work over in Brisbane. Just doing absolutely amazing work. Um, and with that, just a massive shout out to my entire uh, Brisbane fam over there, to all the folks that tune in over there. It's just thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you do to support the Hot Nerd Podcast and for coming on and hanging out and doing all this kind of fun stuff with us. So unfortunately, our time is drawing to a close. I wish that I could sit here and give you snippets of all of the amazing podcasts that we've done. You know, we're we're pushing upwards of 116, 117, 18, 19 episodes-ish, right? We're, we're, we're well into the hundreds, let me say that. So I wish that I had the time, or I guess more of the, uh, beyond just my time, just It'd be too long. It would be no one would listen to it, right? If it's like a four-hour long mashup of all the best of, um, it would just not be that great, I guess. But I want to give a huge shout out to a bunch of folks, um, and I, I'm not no particular order. Again, even the snippets that are on here, no particular order. Just kind of picking stuff out because I've got to say this before I go any further too is that they're all equally good. Like that's, that's the problem with trying to do something like this in particular is I just kind of have to randomly scroll through and pick out stuff and just kind of slice it from there because I love all of our guests and all of our episodes. They're just so chock full of amazing information, but just throw in some names out there. We just did an episode with Brent Charlton a while back. Absolutely awesome. Again, you heard my dear friend Ian Allison that was on. Um, Ian has been a frequent guest of the podcast and just, again, amazing to get to chat with him. We just had Dr. Dave Proven on a while back. Again, excellent, excellent stuff. Um, always great. Always a pleasure to get to, to, to chat with him as well. Um, we have Pedro, Pedro Messial from the X-Factor Safety. He's joined us several times too. Pedro is kind of a, a reoccurring character here for us too. And, and we love the X-Factor Safety here. We love getting to chat with Pedro. Uh, Dr. Jay Allen, obviously, and a huge, huge shout out. He's been on the podcast several times. I'm, I'm uh, going to see if I can get him back on here again soon. But just a huge shout out to Dr. Jay Allen. So 
some of you all, must, I think most of you all realize this, that, you know, he is the mastermind behind the whole safety FM thing and just the amazing work that he has done to herd all of these cats together, which is no easy task when you're talking about safety folks and the kind of personalities that you kind of have, but to bring all these folks together that are not necessarily all of like mind, you know, that have some dissenting opinions that, that approach things way differently, right? To bring all these different folks together in this really cool kind of awesome, diverse thing that is safety FM um, and again, for all the support that he gives us here at the Hop Nerd Podcast, so make sure that you're you're going over, you're listening to the Jay Allen Show, you're checking out the Rated R Safety Show, and you're following along with everything that's going on at Safety FM. Um, we had on the amazing Brent Sutton, and we talked about learning teams as well. Um, Adam Johns was just a phenomenal guest, and I, I promise I will not call you John Adams uh, <laughs> anymore. Adam, that was that was my bad when we first started communicating. I have like this dyslexic thing that kind of happens, and it's out, out, at least I'll blame it on that. But I mean, the list just goes on. We had Bill Gettings on when we did the Pride episode, right? We had on Andy Schoen. We had on Gary Wong. Again, we had on Todd a couple times. We have we've had on. Uh, Colin Nottage, which is another amazing UK podcaster that if you're not listening to, you should. We had on Dr. Tim Ludwig, and we talked about behavior-based safety and human and organizational performance. We've had on the amazing Sheldon Primus. I love getting to chat with Sheldon. Just an absolute wealth of knowledge. Rob Fisher, you know, the list just goes on and on. Tanya Hewitt, it just goes on and on. I'm just kind of scrolling through the list as I'm talking to you here because it just blows my mind. Every time I go back and look, it just blows my mind. The amazing guests that we have on this show. The only thing that blows my mind more than the amazing guests are you folks, the folks that are tuning in, the folks that are listening, the folks that are giving us all this love and support and are helping us carry this message of making the world a better place to work, to make safety, not suck, to do safety better. It's all of us. It's this community that's growing around everything that we're doing. It blows my mind and I'm so thankful for it. I have to, I, I, I know, I get it. You guys pick on me. I say thanks, like probably way more than I should. It's like this deeply ingrained Southern manner or something. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's just me. I can't not say it because I'm so appreciative for not only our guests, but our listeners and everyone that supports us here. It's just such an amazing experience. So here's to the first year of the Hop Nerd and, and here's to seeing what comes in the next one. Um, I told you that I was going to tell you a little bit about what we've got planned. I will tell you this. I can't give out too much yet, but be on the lookout for some more books. There's going to be some books. And I will say safety. It's going to be safety stuff. So we know safety sucks happened. There's more coming. There's more coming. That's all I can say about that. So I'm going to shut up. Uh, other than that, our plans is just to kind of keep on doing what we're doing. We're going to keep having amazing conversations and we're going to keep fighting the good fight of trying to make the world a better place to work. And we're going to do that through podcasts. We're going to do that through video. And we're going to do that ultimately through bringing you conversations in some form, fashion, or another. Because as we've said since the very beginning, since the very beginning, betterment happens through conversations. We have to have the conversations. So on that note, I'm going to tack on the very first episode <laughs> <laughs> for us all, for all of us to laugh at, for all of us to cringe and laugh at <laughs> of the Hop Nerd Podcast, episode number one. I'm going to tack it on 
right here and I'm going to let it play us out. It's going to play us out to the outro music and that's it. That's it. That'll be our first year in the books. So again, thank you so much for all that you do to support us here at the Hop Nerd Podcast. Do me a favor, like this, share it, tell your friends about us, point them in our direction. Uh, if you've got a few minutes, leave us a review. You know, going down there and clicking those stars, you know, that helps us a ton as well. If you've picked up the book, Safety Sucks, head over, give us a review there. All of that stuff, all of that stuff just helps us a ton in continuing to bring you all this amazing stuff. All these little cool snippets and all these guests that we have, have brought you, it helps us so very much. So the last thing I'm going to say, because I'm going to say it again, is this. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Hot Nerd Podcast. I am Sam Goodman, your host, your only host currently, coming to you live from sunny Phoenix, Arizona, on this 25th day of November 2019. Glad that you're here with us. So to begin, I really wanted to stop and take a few minutes, tell you a little bit about myself, tell you a little bit about the plans for the website, the podcast, some of the other stuff that I've got going on, and really how I ended up in the human and organizational performance space. So a little bit about me, I grew up in southwestern Virginia, uh, in the heart of rural Appalachia. Um, that meme that floats around, uh, yes, that's me. I was born basically in a coal mine, drinking moonshine, corncob pipe, no shoes, uh, which I fully embrace, by the way. I am definitely a proud mountain person, a proud hillbilly. Um, in that area, there was really only one industry, and that is mining. Coal definitely is king. Um, I started my career in mining, uh, in, in and around mining, um, before I really just decided that that just wasn't where my passion was at. Um, I pursued some college education, uh, actually going to school for administration of justice in hopes of becoming a police officer. Um, so I, I, I went to school for that, and then I turned around, ran away, and become a firefighter. Did that for a while. Uh, and then I had heard this rumor about this stuff in and around nuclear power generation, um, in particular outages, right? I, I was I heard some rumors through some friends that worked these mystery outages that I had never heard of um, about how you could go and, and work uh, these turnarounds and come home, right? And you could go and work for several weeks at a time, come home, take several weeks off, go work several weeks, come home be home in the summertime, be home in the wintertime. And it sounded too good to be true. Uh, and really and truly, I, I, just to tell you, I thought that they were lying to me. I didn't know that such a thing could really exist. So following some of these friends' uh, you know, advice um, and with some of their guidance, I, I found myself at my first nuclear power plant, which was a plant on the East Coast. I started out as a helper. Um, I found out that I was really a nerd for power plants, that I was a nerd for generation, that this stuff was just really, really, really cool to me. I found it super duper interesting. So I stuck with that for quite a while. 
um, starting as a helper, later getting into um, becoming a pipe fitters helper, and then later getting into coatings and paintings and, and, and all of that stuff that goes on around, around these stations. I did that for quite a while. Um, during that time, I was fortunate, very blessed to come across several individuals that, that saw some potential in me for whatever reason. Uh, I don't know why. I'm still trying to figure that out to this day, but they did. Uh, and they ultimately pushed me in the direction of occupational safety and health. Uh, and really gave me my first opportunities in that field. Um, I started out as a safety tech. You know, in between these jobs, I would I would basically take courses and just try to learn as much as I possibly could. And I did that for quite a while. So long story short, I spent about the past decade working directly in safety and human performance in and around utilities in some capacity or another. Um, both on the large-scale contractor side, providing services to these utilities, and then also working directly for these utilities um, as a safety person, as a safety professional. Um, more recently, I found myself in more direct human and organizational performance roles and more in culture change roles. Um, come to find out that's what I'm really a nerd for, is human and organizational performance and safety culture. So, Early on in the formative years uh, in my safety profession in, in nuclear generation, I have a very good friend uh, that I made along the way that, that handed me a book. And the book was Safety Differently by Sidney Decker. Uh, I took that thing home and I read it basically cover to cover. Uh, I would say several times. Um, I'm not exactly sure where my original copy is at, but it's scribbled with notes and highlighters and post-its and and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I connected with it on such a different level than what I did with any other material before it. I'm a safety person, and sometimes I refer to myself as a recovering safety person. Um, I, I, I have an eye for regs and rules and procedures and, and, and all that stuff, right? But this thing was just different. It finally had the voice and the tone and it said the stuff that most of us in this profession have been trying to say for most of our careers. And for me, the simple phrase that people are not the problem to control, they're the solution to our problems, was that click. It was that aha, eye-opening moment for me. It's not that I didn't realize that I knew that. It was finally that someone else was saying it that I found it from another professional, right? I dug even deeper, um, digging into the works of, of Todd Conklin, obviously, um, Bob Edwards and Andrea Baker, and seeking out these folks, um, digging into to the works of Perot and digging even deeper into a lot of stuff and trying to find out where our current management systems come from. So again... I'm a nerd, right? This is called the hop nerd for a reason. Um, I'm constantly digging, 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 and digging deeper because that's really the part of it that I enjoy. So that's how I found myself in the human and organizational performance space. Within my own company, I seen the need for human and organizational performance. Uh, it seemed that most did not want to be the squeaky wheel, and that's okay. Uh, I'm definitely too much of a troublemaker to not be the squeaky wheel. 
So I seen that as the opportunity to be the voice for this revolution or movement within my own organization at the time. Within my organization, uh, I, I would really refer to it as normal safety problems, right? For the longest time, we had tried to just do the same thing harder. Every time that something negative would occur, an event with significant outcome, we would just double down on traditional safety. We thought that if we just did the same thing harder, we were going to get a different result. You say that out loud and it makes so little sense because it, it's just nonsensical, right? You can't just do the same thing harder and expect to get a different result. But within our organizations, that's the norm, right? We, we do that pretty regularly. And that's where we were at. We had all of the not-so-great signs, uh, the not-so-great symptoms of doing that for an extended period of time. Our reporting was down. The things that did get reported, the stuff that actually came through, was pretty severe. We were missing lots and lots of learning opportunities because of the fear and distrust, the byproduct that a lot of traditional safety systems have. So fortunately, this utility was very forward-thinking. They were very open to the idea of human and organizational performance. They knew that we needed a change. They knew that we had to do something to move forward, that we needed to shift their focus to the things that were really and truly important. And in this space, it was the stuff that kills you, right? We were so focused on on using smaller level events, using data as as a predictive tool for large events. And, and we know that to not be very reliable, if reliable at all. I would argue that it's not reliable at all, right? And we started to understand that. We started to shift and we started to see the detriment that, that uh, years and years of traditional safety uh, and constraint and retributive justice and all this kind of not-so-great stuff that usually comes in one big package around a traditional safety, we started to realize that that stuff was not so great. And I'm proud to say that we shifted, and, and we, we've continued to grow, and we, we continue to grow on, the, on a daily basis towards cultural betterment and human and organizational performance. I share that with you because during that time was when I really found that true passion. I knew that I had a liking for it. I knew that I had an affinity for this stuff. But once I really started to get to be a part of assembling the nuts and bolts of hop implementation and implementation of just culture, implementation of really trying to make the workplace better for all of us, that's when I really found out that that's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. It was to make the world a better place to work. It was to help others that had not gone through the struggles of hop implementation or implementation of just culture or any of that amazing stuff yet to help those folks do that. So that's why I'm here today. That's really my soapbox rant on my purpose, and what I hope to accomplish with the Hop Nerd. So, if you haven't figured it out yet, 
I don't have a topic for this podcast. I'm kind of, sort of just shooting from the hip on this one. But I really just wanted to do that just so I could take some time, let you get to know me, and share with you uh, my, my plans for the podcast, the website, all that good stuff. So the podcast, I'm going to be issuing one of these once a week. The length, the format, all of that stuff will vary probably quite a bit. I'm pretty new to this. Uh, to define new, this is the first one ever. So brand new to this. My goals for this thing, really, I, I want to get other folks on here. I want to get folks. Um, we meet all kinds of great, interesting people throughout our, our careers, folks that stick with us for life. If I had to sit down and write a list, I could probably jot down 50 names of folks that I would love to just sit down and have a long format conversation with just to share with you some of the knowledge that they shared with me. So as we grow this thing, or as I grow this thing, that's the plan. We're going to get some of those folks here to begin with. It'll probably start with the first few episodes, editions, whatever we want to call these things of just me rambling on about human and organizational performance, which some people seem to like. So I'll share some of those things. I want to take some deeper dives into the principles. I want to take some deeper dives into just culture. I want to take some deeper dives into my personal experiences with implementation of human and organizational performance, because that's really seems to be, that really seems to be where most folks have some friction or have some rub. They say, yeah, I get it. That stuff sounds great when you say it out loud, but saying it out loud and going forth and making it work in my organization are two different things. And I've already had all those conversations. I've went through that. I've, I've earned those calluses along with several other folks, but I want to share some of those experiences with you. As for the website, I'm publishing new content there on a weekly basis, really short form articles. You can also find some, some useful information about me. There's uh, our email address, phone numbers, all that stuff. If you wish to get in contact with me, there's a really neat forum on there. If you have questions, if you need somebody to just give you an opinion on something or give you some input, I'm right here. Uh, you have near instant access to me, which is pretty cool. That's a great thing about the modern world that we live in. Not so great when you want to go on vacation, but hey, I'm cool with it. So feel free, shoot me a line, use that contact form. Give me a call. Be glad to talk over anything with you. So again, website, great resource to get in contact with me. Great resource if you're looking for some short form content, stuff like that. Similar to the podcast, I'm hoping to get some guest writers there, some other friends and like-minded folks, and maybe some not so like-minded folks. It's, dissent is a great thing, and it's a great thing to have a conversation around. So looking to share that on both of those platforms. I also have social media that's out there. Feel free. The Hop Nerd is usually the handle. Pretty easy to find me. And I look forward to having those conversations with you. So before we squirrel this one away in the books, super short, I know. I just wanted to throw out there, if you have ideas for topics, if you have things that you would like to see me or others write about, if you have ideas for podcasts or, or anything else out there that you would like to hear or need, please reach out, let me know. This would be a whole lot easier for me if you tell me what you want me to say, right? <laughs> but glad that you've been here with us. There'll be another one of these coming next week. I look forward to hearing from you. 
I look forward to sharing amazing learning with you. This is the Hop Nerd signing out. I'll talk to you next week.